0: Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of the Pacers Pod, Sunday, January 10th, Uh, one week from the last episode of the Pacers Pod, and the Pacers were in action three times. Awesome, well, pretty much awesome games. Um, This was a pretty, I would say this was probably the... uh, Maybe most exciting week of being a Pacers fan over the past um, maybe two or three years. Uh, I think because maybe exciting is the wrong word because there was definitely some excitement that first year when Vic and Sabonis came over. But I think just um, optimism-wise, this week was pretty good. The Pacers started getting some national media attention in a way that was like is this team uh being overlooked as title contenders. So I don't think that um it's interesting too because last week when I recorded the podcast, the Pacers had been hot the week before. They had they were 4 and 1 to start the season and then they lost to the Knicks and then I went on and recorded and it was like I was super high on the Pacers after those, you know, after going four and one, they lose to the Knicks. It kind of brings you back down to earth a little bit, and then I recorded an episode after that, uh, a little cooled off from how high I was before. And this week is very similar in the sense that um, so the Pacers coming off that loss to the Knicks, which it turns out uh, the Knicks aren't quite as bad as maybe we would have thought they were going to be this year. They're winning, they're beating a lot of teams, and I believe right now are. Um, you know, slotted in as a, a playoff team in the East, and uh it's still super super dog early, uh, less than ten games into the season. But that that Knicks loss maybe doesn't look quite as bad after seeing what they've been doing doing to other teams as well. Uh, but then starting this week, you know, so so coming off that loss to the Knicks, it's it's the the Pacers were on the road to the Pelicans, and this game was. The most exciting game that I'd seen in a long time, and it uh, it ended in a Pacers win. It was a, it was an overtime win against the New Orleans Pelicans, who have, you know, they have some superstar talent. Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram, um, kind of like uh, baby Kevin Durant in a sense, just a really smooth operator on the offensive end. Uh, he put up thirty one against the Pacers. I think he's averaging, you know pretty close to that. He's up in that like 27, 28 points a game this year. He's having a, a, a pretty much a breakout season or just not necessarily a breakout because everyone knew he was he was good already, but he's definitely elevated his game. Uh he's playing at an all-star level this year. So Brandon Ingram's tough, then they all had they have Zion uh who's a problem down low. Uh Zion was he didn't have any like crazy plays. I don't I can't really remember any crazy dunks and stuff but he's just he's just one of those guys that um he's a problem down low because he's he just takes up so much space on his way up he uses his body just shields people away so um he's 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 an interesting player for sure like zion can definitely score um just by getting i mean he gets to the paint the way that Giannis does in a way where you, you almost feel helpless. Like how how are you supposed to stop it? Um, but but anyways, that team. So so the Pelicans had some had some firepower, um, and it was a really good game. I, I thought it was I thought it was the 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 most competitive enjoyable game. There was the crazy end uh, down at the at, at the end of regulation. So the Pacers, I thought they had like kind of let the game slip away, and uh, down the stretch there they were. Um, they were struggling to score the ball, and so they went from being up seven points in the fourth quarter to being down seven points. You know, that's a fourteen point swing there. And then, um, but coming down the stretch, you know, the Pacers didn't give up. I think there was like, and we had chances too up to this point where we we would make we were making a ton of stops. Like Miles Turner was just playing his ass off down the clutch, blocking shots. And and Miles is, I'm sure, I'll talk about him and what he's been doing. Um, here later, but coming down the stretch of that Pelicans game, uh, the Pacers were getting good looks after after incredible uh, defensive possessions, uh, anchored by Miles Turner, and they were just missing open shots. To, to and it just felt like, oh man, they're just not gonna. The door is open, but they just couldn't make the shots to get in. It. And then with 23 seconds left, Pacers are down six. Um, I think they had enough. They got they must have got another defensive stop, and they're pushing the ball up the court and Oladipo just pulls it from like 30 feet deep just off to the right of the top of the key, uh, if my memory is serving me correctly, and nothing but net. And it was just like a lightning bolt. And then the Pelicans inbound the pass. I want to say it was Lonzo. No, maybe it was Bledsoe. Uh, Eric Bledsoe had it. And somehow Oladipo is able to come up with the steal, kicks it out to Brogdon, uh, down court to Brogdon, Brogdon over to Miles Turner, who's, you know, standing right there at the top of the key with the three-pointer. Turner does a pass fake just to clear out all the space in the world and knocks down the three-pointer, and he's fired up. And it was it was an amazing end. Uh, so then uh, the Pelicans end up not scoring. Game goes to overtime. Uh, Pacers win it in overtime. Brogdon had a little kind of like a little one-on-one iso against Eric Bledsoe with like nine seconds left and beats him off the dribble, knocks the ball down with a little, kind of a little floater in the lane. Um, so Brogdon came through there. Pacers go up by two, Pelicans miss it, and Pacers win the game. And and this was, the I think, the most important thing that happened throughout the whole week is the Vic, the Vic Brogdon moment. And it was after the Pacers after the pelicans you know missed their last uh, shot and the, and the game was the game was uh, settled and the pacers knew they won like i i don't, and i wasn't able to go find this again but it, I, it was one broadcast i was watching and i don't know if it was maybe like a highlighter. i can't remember where i saw it um but it's like brogdon and oladipo have both of them are just glowing just smiles ear to ear and they just like really embrace each other and they're like uh, obviously super excited and pumped that they just got this great win. And that's what I've been waiting to see this whole season. That, uh, that spark from the two of them as a, as a backcourt, like as a unit. And I did, I felt like they were, and I, and honestly, I don't think I just, this was the, this was the moment that I was hoping that we, I want to see more of these moments. I didn't feel like we were getting, getting them prior or, or maybe just, I wasn't noticing them, but, this moment, and then I just feel like from that moment maybe, um, you know, maybe Vic and Brogdon now are are a thing. They're, they are they are a backcourt. Um, it, it's interesting, but that was a good, that was just a great moment. I think as Pacer fans, that's exciting to to see those two guys because as good as Turner and Sabonis have been playing this season, and you can definitely make a case. I still think the ceiling of this team. Is get, it gets determined by the play of Brogdon and Oladipo because those two guys are are really our shot creators and i i think i just think that as good as Sabonis is he can have a hell of a game and and the Pacers can can still lose but rarely is is Brogdon or 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 Oladipo i, I just think that that their play matters just slightly more and and it, so here's okay. Let me rephrase this. Basically, I think that brogdon and Oladipo being great is more important to the team's success than Turner and Sabonis being great. And so I loved what we saw. And and then in that same game, Miles Turner, man, I got to say something about him. He was amazing. Like uh, he ended the game with 17 points and three blocks. But just down the stretch, the defense that he played. Uh, there's no chance that the Pacers win that game or can come back without him just smothering everything at the rim, deflecting everything at the rim. I mean, just just a monster down there. And he's just been so good protecting the rim this year to start the season. It's just been incredible. And then for him to knock down that that tying three-point shot, uh, man, that's a nice, that's nice. All, I mean, Turner is a you know, when we have a healthy TJ Warren, I mean, Miles Turner is a very strong fifth option. I mean, we're talking, this team is deep as far as, you know, um I mean, borderline all-star to all-star players. I mean, we got five of them at least four for sure. And we'll see about TJ Warren. It, it just sucks that he, that we lost him for this season, but um not to tangent too far away from this game, but just talking about TJ Warren Warren makes me think about Jeremy Lamb and how excited I am for us to get Jeremy Lamb back. And Jeremy Lamb's someone who was playing really good before he went down last year. And, and he was the guy who he basically got injured right after Vic came back. And right after Jeremy Lamb had moved to to the bench is when he, you know, suffered that injury. But, um, I mean, I'm not like crazy high on Jeremy Lamb, but I think we could use him, um, and and I think he could shock us a little bit. Like he's one of those guys. We all those all those guys that we had all those new one year or first year players with us last season, like T.J. Warren, Justin Holiday, uh, Jeremy Lamb would be one of them. T.J. McConnell, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Who who else was a first year guy? Um. oh well I don't remember Uh, yeah but what what was I saying about it though those first year guys oh I thought that they were you know that when they came in on the Pacers they all kind of had a little bit of a uh, some baggage with them and they hadn't really lived up to maybe what their potential was like Jeremy Lamb seemed a little like we got him pretty cheap like uh it was fair. He he's not like an all-star player, but I think he could be he could be really good, kind of like what we're seeing right now with um Justin Holiday and Justin Holiday to me stepped up big this season so far and especially as of late last couple games. Holiday's been knocking down the three-point shot like it's nobody's business. Um I know one game he had 20 last night. Uh he ended up with 17. He, to me, he just walking around, he's, he play, he's playing with uh, a sense of like, air, not arrogance was not the right word to say, confidence or um, just a little bit of a swagger about him. Like, I feel like he's being more vocal out there with other guys on the team. He seems to be uh, maybe uh, maybe being in more of a little bit of a vocal leadership role. And so it's been good to see. He's been playing great. He's really active on the defensive end. Um, he's been helping getting some rebounds. He's playing almost 30 minutes a game off the bench. So it'd be nice if Justin can keep up. If, we've got Justin uh, Holiday averaging 11 points off the bench. Doug McDermott's averaging like 11 or 12 off the bench. I mean, so there's your sixth and seventh man's, you know, both in double figures. Um, but, okay, bringing her back to this Pelicans game. And after the Vic Brogdon moment and the nice game by uh, Miles Turner, you throw in Domas, who ended up with a double-double of 19-11-7, which is just what Domas has been doing. Um, during that game, there were a couple things where I really noticed a difference in watching this year's team with the coaching staff compared to last year's team. So this is some, this is a knock on Turner, but he's been getting into to foul trouble. Um, but in this game against the Pelicans— he picked up his second foul with 10 minutes and 40 seconds left in the first quarter. Um, after that second foul, I mean, we're, we're all, we're, we've had a minute and 20 seconds worth of game time action, and your big man just picks up his second foul. Um, I think most coaches, would, the, the, the general census would assume that you just you take him out at that point because the odds of him picking up his third in the first quarter and really hampering you in the second quarter and, and for the rest of the game You know, they go way up. Um, But Björkran left him in, and he ends up letting Turner play for another three minutes and subs him out at the 720 mark. And in that three minutes, Turner had an awesome block on Zion. So as we're getting ourselves established in the game, you know, he's he's able to establish himself as that, you know, inside presence, blocking Zion. Um, He nails a three-pointer to tie the game five to five. He had the first five points for the Pacers. And then he gets subbed out. But I just thought that was that was noteworthy that that Yorker was comfortable enough to trust Turner to, to leave him in and the truth is Turner Turner is jumping for everything I mean you know he's getting he's getting a lot of shots he's blocking a lot of shots but he's also um finding himself in in foul trouble a little bit more than I feel comfortable with and I think it's something that we can't have happen in the playoffs like we can't have Turner getting into foul trouble um. So one of those things that I think we need to get figured out, but by the time the end of the, uh, or by the time we get into the playoffs, but Hey, I love watching Turner get, you know, five, 10 or five, six, seven, eight blocks a game. Um, So for now I I can deal with it a little bit. Uh, But yeah, so that was good by coach uh, Bjorkren. And then he threw, he threw uh, Jakar Sampson in there in this game uh, for like seven, eight, nine minutes straight. And, you know, we were up against uh Turner with the foul trouble and Sabonis on the on the other end was also getting into some foul trouble this game, but Jakar looked looked solid. And then um Aaron Holiday unfortunately was struggling. And Bjorken went with the hot hand, which was TJ McConnell. And um you know, I like the fact that in the second half Bjorken went with McConnell over Aaron Holiday uh because of the play that McConnell was doing. Um and then so you know, overall it was just a great win for the Pacers. I thought to to bounce back off of that loss to the Knicks, to play a really competitive game on the road, to come back, uh to to and then to send it into overtime and then to to pull out the win in overtime. And just um I, mean, I thought it was great. Like Vic ended up with 25 points, five rebounds, six assists. Brogdon had twenty-one points, seven rebounds, eleven assists, you know. Um all of all of our guys Stepped up, and it was a great team win. Um, The weaknesses that I think were exposed during this game was just the physicality that can sometimes hurt the Pacers down low. When you got a guy like Embiid, I'm thinking about whenever we, you know, if we ever have to go against the Philadelphia 76ers. um, Even, you know, in that Knicks game where we lost, the Knicks big man, Mitchell Robinson, just was catching lobs and getting a lot of offensive rebounds. And then this game against the Pelicans, I mean Steven Adams and Zion Williamson, they gave us a ton of problems uh, down low. And um, now they're they're probably one of the best front courts as far as physicality in the league. So they're probably going to give a lot of teams trouble. Um, but the Pacers ended up giving up 16 offensive rebounds to the Pelicans, and you compare that with the fact that the Pacers only were able to get five themselves. That's a a plus 11 differential differential on the offensive glass that's kind of tough and uh giving the other team that many second chances it's going to be it's going to be makes it more difficult to win those games so i think that's something just to to look out for i mean a lot of the times it's going to look like we have the advantage down low with you know having turner and sabonis but in the if you're just looking at big men turner and sabonis sabonis is physical but he's a little on the undersized He's a little undersized at that level of a big men, and Turner's not quite as physical, although he's definitely shown that he's, I think he's playing more physical now than he ever has. Um, but against those guys like Embiid or um, I don't know, just like, you know, maybe like a Jokic or someone who can really pound us down low. Uh, that might be something to look, to look out for. And I don't know. It makes me just, it makes me think about that's where Goga is supposed to be. And, in in the best best case scenario like that's what i was hoping for from from goga is that goga would be able to be our our enos Cantor, our big man big man like the big man to, that doesn't get pushed around uh but that's not looking like what goga is at all uh so far and and you know it's it, to be fair it's just hard, it's hard to say what goga is because we haven't seen him play um i was listening to one podcast earlier this week and someone reported that Goga was I think ex- we might see him like in a week so um, we may get start to get some answers on Goga which I'm hopeful for because I think if we don't start getting some answers that Goga can can play I mean meaningful minutes I think the Pacers need to look at how to upgrade that backup big position because if I mean if we're, we're, we are relying solely for the most part on Turner and Sabonis right now to, to play those big man minutes. And Jakar's okay, but Jakar's only six foot seven. We need some we need some serious height and some serious size. And I think that if Goga's not going to be able to give that to us, uh the pacers need to look to make a move to get that filled. And I don't know what that looks like, but when I'm looking at our roster I think we're probably, especially once you you assume that Jeremy Lamb comes back and he is, um, let's just say, maybe a little bit worse than he was last year. Um, I feel like we're a little redundant at that 6'4 to 6'7 wing position because we've got McDermott, Justin Holliday, TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, kind of that Brogdon, Oladipo, Aaron Holiday, Cassius Stanley. We're kind of in that smaller, small forward to, to guard position. We just got a lot of guys. So if, if Goga's not going to be the one to do it for us, um, now, fingers crossed he is. Hopefully we get to see Goga. Hopefully the next time I do a podcast, we've we've had some Goga minutes and they look great. Um, and i and we're we're all back on the Goga bandwagon. That would be best case scenario, um, but if not, I think it's I think the I if I were the general manager, I'd be looking for who would be who who makes the most sense to move right now. Um, or you know who's got some value that we and who would we target. So that might be something to to kind of look at. Uh, but, anyways, so. That was a great game against the Pelicans. Pacers win, go to five and two. Then they come back to Indiana home game against the Rockets. You got John Wall, James Harden, uh, Boogie Cousins, um, Eric Gordon. Basically really the the first three I mentioned and, and um, the, the the Rockets are kind of a dysfunctional team in the sense that the, their best player doesn't want to be there. Uh, But nonetheless they have talent and this ended up being I, I was surprised this ended up being a pretty good i mean this was a really good game and it felt great because the pacers uh pulled out pulled it pulled it off down the stretch they they won the game down the stretch they ended up winning the game 114 to 107 it felt in a way kind of like a playoff matchup the, the rotations were small the place the pacers only played eight guys that night um only seven in the second half because Doug McDermott went down with a—I uh, don't remember what the injury was—but he left the game in the first half and then didn't come back. And and the Rockets—they only played eight guys. Um, it was a—it was just a—it was a good game. And and I think the it, what kind of swung it for the Pacers was the fact that that we were just a little deeper there on that seventh and eighth man. You know, we have Justin Holiday and we played T.J. McConnell, and we and you match that you match, Compare that to what the Rockets had in Jay Sean, Jay Sean Tate, who was a a 25 year old rookie, played at Ohio State a couple years ago, um, and Sterling Brown, uh, who I believe he was a Big Ten player as well. Um, I could definitely be wrong about that. I don't know why I'm assuming that. But anyways, you look at those two guys, compare them to our to our guys of Holiday and McConnell, and that's a big match. That's that's a big favor in favor of the Pacers there. Aaron Holliday continued to struggle, so he struggled in that Pelicans game. Really, he's kind of been struggling all season long, but he's been getting the start since TJ Warren went down. And in the in that game prior against the Pelicans, you know Bjorkman went with McConnell down the stretch rather than Holiday, and Holiday had such a rough night. I thought, hmm, I wonder if 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 he's going to still get the start, and he he did against the um against the Rockets, and I was glad to see that because. Aaron's a young guy, you know. We, I mean, you put him in the starting lineup for a reason. Um, we just want to see him perform better. Um, but so he gets to start against the Rockets. He's pretty aggressive early on. He has a he has a strong drive to the lane that he's not able to finish on. There was certainly some contact, but there was no call. Um, he missed an open three pointer, and then he had a. I mean, and then he had it after the missed three pointer. The um, Rockets were doing an inbound pass and Holiday got caught not paying attention. His man backdoors him, gets the ball, makes it, makes a layup. It was really kind of like a, it's like, damn, man, that was a bad, that was a bad, da- that was a bad play. Uh, and then Bjorkman calls a timeout and it's like six, it's so it's 640 left in the first quarter. Calls timeout, doesn't like that. That's a bad look. Holiday's struggling. You think that he's going to take him out. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. It's time to sub in Justin Holiday or uh, McDermott or somebody. But Bjorkman leaves him in, and um, I found that to be uh, that was that was I thought that was another another coaching decision that instills confidence in your players and lets them know like, nope, like we're our our faith in you or our expectations in you haven't changed you made that mistake, like, don't make, like, you have to play yourself through this. And I think that that's great. Unfortunately, it's like, uh, fast forward through this last game too, like up to this point, Aaron's still been, he hasn't really found his um mojo yet. He's kind of missing that, sh- he's missing the shot. Um But anyways, I just like the fact that Bjorkman left Holiday Inn um, after that, after those poor plays and, um, you know, kept him in there um in that in that game one thing we noticed was like uh, i was listening to the pre- i was listening to the post-game conference news conferences afterwards and uh justin holiday was talking about the defensive schemes that bjorkman had put in to pre- and, and they were they went into that game uh looking to put a ton of pressure on james harden and throw different guys at him deny the ball. Uh, back to Harden. So like once Harden, if Harden ever give, gives gives the ball up or, or doesn't have the ball, it's like, don't let him catch the ball. That was one of the defensive um, kind of uh, focuses. And it worked. So um, Harden kind of laid an egg against the Pacers. He ended up with 15 points. And this is a guy who averages, you know, 33, 35, 37 points a game, whatever it is. Um, he only had 14 field goal attempts. So The Pacers did a really good job on Harding, and after the game, Bjorkman was talking about the team, and he said, you know, this team has no quit, and they don't take possessions off at any time. He's just super positive still, and the team seems to really be responding to Coach Bjorkman. Um, In this game, got to highlight TJ McConnell, the man. Um, This man will not tolerate laziness. Um, he plays like an Indiana high schooler. Uh, he, every, I mean, not, I've talked to death about the fact that he steals one inbounds pass every game just from people not paying attention, but it's just all over the court. And the way that that guy affects the team just outside of the box score, I think is, is, um, it be, it's, it's amazing. Like he's always so positive. He's selfless. Like, um, from the outside t j McConnell just looks like the perfect uh teammate and he give he brings energy he brings the hustle he's tough um and yeah he just does not that's what that's that's what his role is he's almost like a, like I'm trying to think of like an animal that kind of like keeps other animals honest by making sure that they don't get lazy um I don't know. I don't know my animals that well. But let's see. Am I going to try to think of something here? No. I'm going to move on. Uh, speaking of TJ McConnell, he missed this last game uh, against the Suns because he had his firstborn son. And so, congratulations to TJ McConnell. And okay. Moving on, let's uh, let's get back on it here. One thing, other thing I noticed uh, from this from this game against the Rockets, there's 37 seconds left in the first half, and Victor Oladipo picks up John Wall full court, and I think it was one of those things where there's only 37 seconds left in the game, so it's like you're gonna you're you're feeling confident that you've got enough energy to burn, and you know you got half half time to give you a break here, and I just thought it was. It was good to see Vic pressing up because he wasn't on the defense like re- trying to react to where the guys were going. He was he was up in there and almost trying to dictate his game onto other people, and I thought that was a good sign to see from Old Depot. Um And I'll just go into this this next game. Old Depot had a highlight dunk that was that looked very familiar. It it wasn't as good as what like. He, it was a very it was a good dunk. I mean Vic drove drove in the lane and dunked on. I think his name's Cameron Johnson. Well, if it, it I think it was Cameron Johnson who was the one that was in the way. Um, Old Depot jumps from pretty far back, but he did not have much clearance on this dunk. I mean he needed that rim to come right away because he was definitely on the way down. but nonetheless, it was a thunderous dunk. He went for the dunk. He made it. Vic was jacked about it. He did the two hands, raised the roof on its way back down the court. Um, and so it, it was it was good. Vic's been has been playing has uh, been playing really good. And he's starting to look more and more like the old Vic. Uh, and and we're as, and we're just warming up. So hopefully, knock on wood here. Uh, Vic and and Brogdon and, and the Pacers continue to stay healthy and, and just have Warren out and, and get Lamb healthy. And we don't need anybody else. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, sticking on Vic for a second. So he 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 is. If we're taking Vic at his word, he's saying all the right things at this point. So I mentioned, you know, the the Pacers win against the Pelicans. They win against the Rockets. So now they're they're six and two. And after the Rockets game, Vic said, uh, "You know, like I said before, we can be special." Uh, Vic said, we're just getting, he he said something kind of like, you know, the crazy thing or the scary thing is we're just getting used to each other. Like he said, you know, Vic and Brogdon, they've only, they haven't even played together, you know, 10 times. And then Vic, Brogdon, Sabonis, Miles, they haven't even, they played together, you know, 10 times. So this, this combination of Pacer players, they're just now starting to get their reps. And um, that's pretty, that's pretty darn exciting. And Vic knows it, and um, he knows this team can be good, and his wins are just making this team more and more confident. And Vic's also been playing the right way; like he's he's playing he's playing tough. He seems to be leading um, this Pacers team. He still feels sometimes just a little like my turn, time to take it. But that's just his game in some regards too. So I'll I'll take it right now. Like it, it's him being aggressive. There's a little bit more than of it than I would want. Um but maybe that's what kind of has to happen for him to get where he needs to be. Um because we'll just see. That's just the optimistic take. Um, you know, sticking it into this into this Rockets game a little bit too. Miles Turner ended the game with eight blocks and two steals. Just incredible. That's his second game of the season with eight blocks. Um you know, hats off to Miles Turner. He's just he's just been such a treat to have on this team. Um, I kind of mentioned how the the fact that he goes after so many blocks can lead into foul trouble. Um, but that was something that we saw again in the Rockets game. Um, and, and the other thing too is just like when Turner is not in the game, and this is why I, I feel like we have to solve for some sort of additional rim protection other than Sabonis and Jakar Sampson. It's just so obvious the the, the lack of it and, we need to find another springy guy, big man, that can get us some rim protection. But um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Going off of that, okay. Yeah, I need to I need to say something about Malcolm Brogdon here too because uh, Malcolm Brogdon through all through all of this good stuff going on with Vic and, and Miles and and Justin Holiday and um, Sabonis, um, Malcolm Brogdon is having a career season. By far he's, he's being uh, he's basically like the Malcolm Brogdon that we were getting from Milwaukee after that 50, 40, 90 season, but he's doing it on a ton of usage now. So uh, after, so Brogdon had a, he had a career high against the New York Knicks, which we lost the game but Brogdon had 33 points. Then he goes to the Pelicans and he hits the game winning shot uh, or the, the go ahead shot to, to win the game um on you know i think he had I, I read his stats earlier but like a, it was like 20 points 11 assists seven rebounds you know just the stats stat sheet stuffer uh, of a game and then this game against houston he has a career high 35 points he also took 25 shots and i was curious i was like that seems like that's that's a lot of shots from malcolm brogdon and it was his his career high in, in shots but he's 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 being efficient this year so it's like let him fly he's averaging and uh, this was this was I guess prior to the this last game against Phoenix, but Brogdon was shooting fifty two percent from the field, forty seven percent from the three point line, and eighty seven percent from the free throw line. Um, his shot attempts are up three a game. So last year he only had four. He was averaging fourteen field goal attempts a game. This year he's up to seventeen. So he's he's getting more shots up. He's making them at a higher rate, and it's translating into um, amazing ba- uh, box score numbers for Malcolm. And really, the whole team's kind of benef- benefiting from the, the solid play of each other because, you know, the assist numbers are high because guys are making shots for the most part. Uh, Sabonis is cleaning up the glass. I mean, the team's just firing on all cylinders early on to start the season. Um, and it, I think what it shows is that this, this might work, that this five-man approach, this um, uh, true kind of five-man team uh you know weapon like each five guy having its like specialty and and rather than two got two studs and, and three fillers uh having five you know semi-studs. Uh but we'll see we'll we'll see there's a lot of games to be played it's still early on but the fact that Brogdon's playing the way he is Sabonis elevating his game Vic's looking good Turner's looking like he's having a career year Justin Holiday's looking like he's having a career year uh, we just gotta get oh actually and McDermott honestly he's looking really good. he's looking really good to me as well. His numbers aren't i I'm not super familiar with his numbers, but I think they might just be slightly higher, but I think his play overall has been good, and McConnell's having another solid season. It's basically just Aaron Holiday right now. We gotta get jeremy lamb back um come playoff time plugging in t j Warren do we can we get anything from Goga um and and we're looking we're looking good. So let me just get right back into uh, so after so the Pacers beat the, the Rockets six and two next game at home Saturday night in come the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix is a much improved team. They were able to get Chris Paul in the offseason, so they've got a backcourt of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And they got a big man, DeAndre Aiden. Who was the first round or the the first overall pick? I believe two years ago, and anyways, right to the end, the Pacers lose this game, unfortunately, one twenty five to one seventeen, bringing them back to earth. They're no longer, um, well, I shouldn't say they're no longer the hot team, but when they were six and two after beating the the Pelicans and the Rockets, they had a lot of good mojo going, and. Uh, They came back to earth against the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix, though, played a really good game. They Phoenix had lost the night before in Detroit and Detroit is definitely a stinker team that if you lose to them, uh, you have to question things. And so Phoenix came in. They were ready to play. I thought they kind of came in and just set the tone against the Pacers. And, And really, Phoenix just didn't make any mistakes this game. They had 33 assists and only two turnovers. Oh, which is absolutely insane to have two turnovers in, in, in a 48-minute game. And, um, and yeah, they, were, they also had a career night from Mikel Bridges, who's their young, small forward. He's he's a good player, but definitely not as good as he played. This was a career night for him. He had 34 points, 6 of 8 from the three-point line. He he wasn't missing. And I thought the Suns just did a good job on uh, Malcolm Brogdon and, and Victor Oladipo really kind of keep, like, making those guys make tough shots in the paint and uh, they weren't able to do it. So in the first quarter, Brogdon and Vic got off to a six of 16 start. And then it didn't really get much any better the rest of the game. They cl- The two of them combined for 14 of 41 from the field. And when a team's playing as well as Phoenix played, just, you know, really not missing many shots, you got to have, you're back, you know, the Brogdon and, and Vic, 14-41, is just not really going to get it done. It was it was not a blowout by any means. I mean, the Pacers were definitely in that game. But it was a, kind of a frustrating loss because I feel like we just didn't do enough to win the game. I, but we had this huge, huge uh, matchup advantage down low with, with Sabonis and Turner against the Suns' big men. I mean, Sabonis was abso- absolutely cooking people. I mean, it was in the third quarter. The third quarter alone, I had to go look this up because I was watching the game with my wife and it was just like, she has Sabonis on her fantasy team. And every, I mean, so every single possession, literally every possession, it felt like we were looking at each other like, there you go, there you go. You know, you got this, Uh, it's Sabonis. And um, he ended up with 20 points and nine rebounds in the third quarter alone. Just a monster game. I think he ended up with... Uh, 28 points, 22 rebounds, something like that. Um, What else? Justin Holliday, you know, I mentioned him earlier, but he had another solid game. I think he ended with 17 points in this game. Uh, Sabonis dominating. Uh, McConnell was out because of the baby. Doug McDermott came back. He was injured, you know, two games before. And um, he only played 23 minutes, but he did rack up 12 points. On only three field goal attempts, but he made everything. So he made all of his shots from the field, and then made his free throws. Um, I mentioned the dunk from Oladipo. One thing that I thought was interesting after that dunk was uh, there was a time the next the next dead ball or the next time there was the next timeout. Oladipo was walking back to the bench, and I saw Bjorkgren kind of kind of get up into him a little bit and like was talking talking in talking into his ear. And Vic was like smiling really big and I just wonder if the conversation was something like you know just around that dunk and like how hard you know Vic's worked because it was you know Vic was excited too because of the the hands in the air after the dunk and it was it felt like a highlight dunk whenever it happened but then you the replay you look at it and and then you realize'm like well I guess I mean I, the lift wasn't that crazy and it wasn't like you know, let, let's see Cassius Stanley do that same dunk. And you know what I mean? But not not throwing shade on Vic himself. It was great that he did that dunk because it, you know, it obviously meant something to him and he's going to, he, it was almost like a little checkbox where it's like, all right, now I can do, now I can jump from here and I can dunk it. Um, so should be more confidence, but just that I thought it was, it was, it was cool to see Bjorkman kind of recognizing that moment. If that's at all, what they were talking about, I could be completely, completely wrong here, but the fact that Vic was smiling makes me think it had something to do with that dunk and just recognizing the moment and really caring for the players and, and kind of, um, you know, congratulating or, or, or acknowledging, you know, when something like that happens. I think that's a, uh, a sign of a, a, wise, a wise coach that knows, his, that knows his players and is looking for opportunities to, to make them uh, not only better players, but uh, to feel better. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I also noticed in, I think it was that same game actually, but, uh, it was before timeout. So, you know, during like they call timeout, the team walks to the bench and then the assistant coaches kind of huddle for, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And then the head coach goes and delivers the message. And, you know, what we, what I noticed was they call the timeout. All the players are walking back to the bench. And before Bjorkman met with the staff, the coaching staff, he pulled he grabbed Sabonis and Brogdon and was talking to them two individuals first, then kind of released them to the bench and then went to the coaching staff. But just little things like just little things like that. Like I had no idea what he said. Um, but just kind of like those two guys are really important to what we're doing. They're the leaders. Um, this is what I'm thinking, you know, maybe before he goes and draws it up. So I just think it's it's interesting that there's just seeing these little nuances. Uh, when watching the games I got, it's been awesome with this ExpressVPN. I haven't had any issues watching games on uh, Leadcast. And the package that I have, it doesn't kick it to commercials. So instead you just get to watch the timeouts. And it's awesome because you get to just get to see all the body language, you get to see um, the players, like what 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 players who aren't in the game are paying attention, what players are just kind of looking around um, what players are, are joking and, and like kind of buddied up. You know, it's just, it just it's, it's much better than, although, you know, we miss out on the Pussycat on Price commercial with TJ Warren, um, but we save ourselves from a lot of the other painful commercials that come with um, watching the game uh, with commercials. So the other last thing I'll say about the, the uh, Phoenix game and just kind of the last three games in this past week in general was just Turner and Sabonis. I'm noticing just a little They're showing a little bit of like back and forth, looking for each other. Um, there's been the, like Sabonis behind the back pass to Turner for an easy layup. Or um, if one of them, if one of them ends up with like a smaller guy on him, the other guy will like dump it in. So Turner dumping it in Sabonis or vice versa. It's just something I think that we should keep an eye on as the season goes along. And remembering that these guys are 24 years old and they're both having career years and they're both under contract for the next three years. Um, this could be exciting, the, the two of them playing together. From from my perspective, I think it looks pretty good. Um, I, I'm not in a hurry to to move either one of those players. That's for damn sure. Um, but we shall see. So it was a good week. I mean, I, I, I that was one of the things that I said last week about this week is we were going to get tested and the Pacers came out 2 and 1 with two two really good wins and one um loss that you can kind of live with um and so the Pacers are 6 and 3 they were at before the start of that Suns game they were first in the Eastern Conference and then after that loss now they're in fourth but uh they've got off to a good start this season obviously a long way to go and it doesn't get uh it doesn't get any easier. We're going to get tested again uh coming up very shortly here. Uh but just kind of now that those three games last week are, are behind us, um where where are we at now? Well, right now we're getting some recognition. The the pacer players, uh, specifically uh Damana Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon um, Vic's getting some respect back. Uh, Miles Turner is getting some respect from uh, his defensive pre- uh, defense around the, around the paint and his shot blocking. And the Pacers were the the number one surprising thing of the season on the Ringer Mismatch podcast, which uh, is one of my favorite NBA podcasts. And and so when they get when they talk about the Pacers, it's it's uh it's like a it's like getting your cake and eating it too it's a it's a it's interesting to hear their perspective because it's usually usually on other teams um but kevin o'connor was saying you know like is the are the pacers being overlooked as you know serious threat for for um you know like a, are the pacers a contender are, are they you know a top of the east team and it's interesting because last week Last week I made a bet uh, on FanDuel. I bet I, I bet two dollars that the Pacers would win the Eastern Conference champion, the Eastern Conference this year, and, and essentially represent, or the Pacers would make it to the finals, representing the East. And if that if that happens, I get forty four bucks because I was willing to bet two dollars that that would happen. If you try to make that same bet today, um, you will only win thirty two bucks. So. The odds are start. The odds are starting to move in. You know the Pacers now. That's still. There's still a lot of other, uh, more probable outcomes than the Pacers win in the Eastern Conference. But this week, we got a little taste of the national media recognizing the Pacers. They're recognizing the play of Sabonis, who's just been, who was an All Star last year, and he's just crushing it even more this year. Um, Brogdon is shooting the lights out. I mean, I, I don't have Brogdon's recent stats up now um, since the Houston game and stuff, but I would I would bet that he's up in that 22, 23 points a game, seven or eight assists, five to six rebounds on 45% from three-pointer, you know, almost that 50, 40, 90 clip, and um, just playing playing really strong. Um we're, we're seeing the beginning of the, the Victor Oladipo-Malcolm Brogdon duo starting to, to form. This team is starting to get some more reps against uh, playing with each other. Miles Turner's playing his role perfectly. Um, his three-point shot's starting to come back. I mentioned last week he was off to such a cold start. I think he was like 18% to start the season. Then he was up to 22%. And now he's up to 28%. So... Turner, his shot looks fine. He just keep, he's got to keep shooting it, and uh, hopefully we see that get tick back up to like thirty five or so. But I can't say it enough. What he's doing in in the paint, all around the paint, is just insane on the defensive end, and it's it that is a huge factor in this team's success. Um, I think another thing that we have to keep in mind right now is just like you know the value of having the different voice, Coach Bjorkren and his staff. It's all the players just keep raving about how good it feels, you know, to have a coach like Bjorkren. And he's definitely, this team looks differently. They play differently than they did last year and he coaches differently. His rotations, you know, aren't always the same. He, he plays guys a lot more minutes than, you know, kind of a conventional team would. I, I, I know that Sabonis and Brogdon, In particular are are logging a ton of minutes right now um but i think one thing to think about is like the pick and this i heard this from i think it was the setting the pace podcast that um the pacers have been in in close games and and they have and and that when you're in a close game it's like you know you obviously want to win that game so i I don't mind the the leaning on the, the the players for for more minutes Um, it's going to be convenient to, uh, say if, if we do see an injury, like that's why, um, I don't know if you can avoid that, but so I don't know. I don't know what you do. We're the schedule is going to be tough here, but you know, our guys, when you look at our ages and stuff, I mean, these guys are in the prime of their career. Um, for the most part, I like a lot of our guys are in that 20. You know, starting with Turner and Sabonis and, and Aaron Holiday in that 24 to 28 range, uh, Brogdon, Warren, Oladipo, McDermott, Jeremy Lamb, uh, McConnell, you know, you just go down the list and and we just have a lot of guys, you know, in their prime. So. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we should back the minutes off a little bit, but that's just one thing that Bjorkman's deciding to do is keep those guys in. And, and as long as the players are okay with it for now, like I'm fine with it too. And it, it's nice to to get the reps and to to have the players getting the recognition. Um, you know, that's one thing that does help numbers is when you're on the court more. So it, it's no surprise that Sabonis and, and Turner or well, yeah, Turner, I think is playing more minutes as well. Um, yeah, the numbers look good. The team seems happy. Uh they're 6 and 3. We've got um well, and then I think the last thing so we definitely played some better competition this last week. The win against the Pelicans was good. They're probably going to be a playoff team. The the win against the Rockets was good. They probably I I don't know. I would they they have playoff talent, that's for sure. And and definitely superstar talent. And then the loss against the Suns, I mean, the Suns were, were playing great. The Suns are the number one team in the Western Conference right now. So uh, when you look back, it's like, oh, that, that's fine. I mean, we're off to a 6-3 and three start. I would have signed up for that if, if that was an option for the season. Uh, that's the thing about the NBA and this team. It's like you, you can get really excited after a couple wins and feel like this team can't lose and this team's going to win the, you know, make it to the East or make it to the the NBA championship or, or, or at least feel better, feel really good about winning a playoff series and competing in the playoffs. And, and then they can lose a game or drop two. And then, and you can, then you can kind of waver down. Um, But the reality is that's just how the season goes. I mean, we're going to play 72 games and we're going to lose, you know, probably at least 20 of those things. So uh, that's just how she, that's how it goes. I want to see how this team looks against the upper echelon now, because, it's one thing to to finally start to get, you know, mentioned as a team that might be a contender. And now it's like, how do we look against that upper crust of the NBA? And I'm talking about, um, obviously, the, the defending champions, the Lakers. Uh, you know, how do we look against the Lakers, right? Like, I mean, how do how do we stack up against them? Can we beat the Lakers? Uh, how about the Bucs? We haven't seen the Bucs yet, but I'm sure, you know, they're in our... They're in our division. Those games are coming. We haven't seen Durant and Kyrie with the Brooklyn Nets yet. What are, what are we going to do with with Brooklyn? Um, what are we going to do with Philly, another Eastern Conference team, with with Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris playing well and uh, new coaching staff and, you know, the 76ers are off to a good start. What are we going to do against the Los Angeles Clippers and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? And those, those teams we haven't faced yet and – that's that's what I'm that's what I want to see now that this, this team has proven to me that they can beat quality playoff teams. Um, but how do we I with, you know, already beating Boston once this year, beating the Pelicans, beating the Rockets. Um, and how, how do we how do we stack up against the, the best, though? And, and that's what we're going to um, that's what we're trying to do here. And it's not just win one playoff series like we want to we want to compete. And so, but we're going to get to find out, um, you know, some of that here pretty quickly. So, the Pacers are going on a a five game road trip over the next week, essentially. So, uh, it starts tomorrow, Monday at at Sacramento. Then they play Tuesday at Golden State. You know, so you're going to get some Steph Curry, they're going to see a superstar. Uh, Golden State is currently slotted in the playoffs for now. Thursday, they're at Portland. Going up against Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, and you know another team that's in the playoffs in the Western Conference Saturday at Phoenix, a rematch. I'm looking forward to this game, uh, but like Phoenix, obviously number one in the Western Conference right now. Sunday at Clippers, another playoff team, star-studded team, title contender team. Um, those are, I mean, just. The Suns, Clippers, Blazers, Warriors, all in the playoffs currently. Sacramento, you know, they're a solid team. I mean, they definitely have talent with Buddy Heald and um, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley. Not going to be an easy win, that's for sure, but it's one that we have to have when you look at the rest of these teams. I mean, there's, I don't know how many many of these games the Pacers are going to be the favorite in. Probably just the Sacramento game. I would guess. Um, but that'll be a great test, right? Um, and then, a- actually, so, yeah, that's five games, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And then it'll be interesting to see how how we how Bjorkren does the rotations for, the, for this road trip. And then um, following that Sunday game at the Clippers, the Pacers get Monday, Tuesday off, and then they have a home game against the Mavericks, which it's like... Another difficult game, another Western Conference playoff, um, uh, you know, candidate currently, and then another superstar in Luka Doncic. So we're going to see Luka, Paul George, Kawhi, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, five Western Conference playoff teams in the next six games. This is going to be a true, true test for the Pacers. We're going to see these numbers, um, you know, either legitimize or start to come back down to earth um pesos are six and three now i would be we'll we'll just see right i mean i think you, you if you look at this you hope that you can get it you can get the sacramento game you hope that you can get the rematch against the suns i think you hope to split the golden state and blazers and then between the clippers and mavs maybe you can split that one too so maybe over these next six we can go four and two I think that would be, that would be very, um that, that I would I would sign up for that for sure. Um, what you don't want to see is a, a one and five or a, a sweep or like a zero oh and six here. Um, but there's definitely the potential for that with with this this schedule line ahead of us. But um, yeah, we shall see. That's why they play the games, and that's why we watch the games. And I think that is going to be all that I have. Uh, for episode 60 here. Thank you for checking out the Pacer Pod. Thanks for um going along with me in my in this little journey of the 2020-2021 NBA season. Um oh I I did see that the pacers are now going to be allowing fans. Um so we shall see about that. And That would be all folks. Thanks for checking out the pod. Have a great week and um, let's cheer those Pacers on. Peace.